Um, I think I'm going to dismiss teachers to the classroom today. So we got classes for kids if they want to go. And God bless our kids. It's good to have you in the house of God today. I would encourage uh, stay in prayer. We prayed together in the first service and mentioned not trying to put anyone on the spot, and so we're not going to do that. But between, we have four different families right now that have lost a loved one in the last two and a half weeks. And so that, that can take a toll on a family. And so as a body, pray, lift them up. I know we've been doing that. Let's continue to do so. And, you know, there's not always words to say. Sometimes there just aren't words. And so it's simply the prayer of faith. The Lord gives peace in the midst of turmoil. And the Lord gives strength in the midst of our weakness. So we hold to that and we trust in that. Amen? So we're praying for the Sanchez family, the Riojas family, the other Sanchez family. We're praying for all of these families. We're praying for Ali and his family, the Santos family. Let's keep bearing them up. I believe the Lord, in his infinite wisdom, can take all things and work them for good. And so we pray the work of God in the midst of all of this. Amen? Why don't you grab your Bible with me today? It's good to be here. And just go to the book of Genesis, the first chapter. That's easy. Everybody can find it quick. And then mark your Bible, however you mark your place there with your hand or lay it open on the seat beside you and in front of you. And I'd like us to stand together again. Please. Just sit your Bible there beside you or on the seat you just vacated. Amen. You know, we come, we all come with various things that we bear about in our body, in our mind, in our emotions, in our spirit. And the Lord is fully aware of all of those things. Do you believe that? He's fully aware of all of those things that you came with today. The Bible also says that the Lord knows what we have need of before we ask Him. It's good because sometimes what I think I need and what He knows I need are two very different things. But He knows what I need. I'm so thankful for that. So I'm asking us together right now, could we lift our hands one more time to Him? No music, no singing, no, just to him, to the Lord. It's, a, it's an expression of submission to him and his purpose and his will. God, I lift my hands to you, not only in some routine, God forbid, but I lift my hands to you in worship and in submission to you and your word and your will. I desire what you would do, and I pray the ministry of your spirit into the heart of people. 
You have come to minister to lives. You are interested in each and every soul in this room. You are interested in every vessel that stands in this room today. You know the frame of every man and every woman. You know the design because you are the designer. And so I pray by your spirit and by your word, reach into our lives where we are in this moment. Reach in by the infinite love of God and minister to the heart the mind, the soul, and the spirit of man as only you can. I worship you because you are God and you're worthy of my worship. I worship you because you're holy and there is none beside you. I worship you. I worship you. I pray that you would be exalted in our midst. I pray that your name would be lifted up in this place. I take this gathering this morning under the authority of your word and under the authority of your name. I pray the spirit of ministry be loosed here that you intend to operate in the life of every individual. I pray the ministry of peace and life and strength and hope and joy that comes from you, not that which the world gives, but that which you give. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. We bind every spirit that would work contrary to your will. And I pray a clear sound from the word and the throne of God that speaks to the core of who we are in you and who we're meant to be in you. That your purpose and will would be realized in, with, and through us. That you would be glorified in this hour. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And I thank you, Lord. And I praise you this morning. I praise you, Father. I praise you. You can be seated. Genesis chapter 1. I know I just had you sit down. We're going to read quite a few scriptures, so maybe. Aren't you thankful for the word of God? It is forever settled in heaven. Amen. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read some familiar verses at the outset, but please, let's stay here. I think where we start and where we finish, as some of you are aware, are often two different things. And so let's see what the Holy Ghost would do. Verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness, everybody say darkness, darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. Everybody say light. And God saw the light. What did he see about the light? It was good. The light was good. God saw the light that it was good. And then watch what God did. God divided the light from the darkness. Skip down to verse 14, please. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide, there's that word again, to divide the day from the night. And let those lights, he's talking about the lights, let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. 
And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide, there's that word again, the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good in the evening and the morning or the fourth day. If you're paying attention, you probably know we're going to talk a little bit about light today. Now, we read this account, and if we're not careful, we can read these verses, and for many, they're probably familiar. And so we can hear these things and go, yeah, yeah, that's the story of creation. And that's true in only the natural. But we understand that what God does is always beyond the natural. It is supernatural. Of course, we understand creation was supernatural. The very fact that God spoke and it was is a supernatural thing. That he could take and create. Matter of fact, that word create in the first, very first verse in the Hebrew means to... It, it's very specific in that it means to take from nothing and create something. It doesn't just mean like you and I would get Legos and create something. Right? It's to take from nothing and create something. You, you probably all heard the story of the scientist that said, you know what, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in all that. I can, I can do what God can do. And they got in this argument, and he was arguing with this man of faith, and he said, well, prove it. He said, I can make a, I don't know, I can make a rabbit. He said, really? He said, yeah, give me some dirt. He said, oh, no, 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 no. You got to make your own dirt. See, it's one thing to take something that already exists and begin to build and create. And because men are able to do that with the wisdom that God gives us, men begin to think we're somebody if we're not careful. But we miss the very fact, that the very supernatural work in Genesis 1 alone, that God took from nothing. He took from nothing, and it is the power and the authority of the Word of God to speak. And when He speaks, things came into existence, and we thank God for that. And so it's a supernatural work. But we see these things, and when we read the Word of God, it's imperative that we understand the Word of God is not just dealing in the natural. Anytime we read the Word of God, the Word of God reaches into the supernatural. And we see the spiritual things of God through His Word as it's revealed to us. And so we see them things about light here in the Word of God. And just bear with me a little bit. We'll probably get moving in a second. But we, we see these things about the Word of God and His creation of light. First, there was darkness, but God understood. It was the design of God as the creator, as the designer. It was the intent of God that there would be light. And so until He created, there wasn't. But when He created, there became light that you and I could begin to behold. And so... He said, let there be light. Some people marvel. We recognize the distinction because we read in verses 14 through 19, he created the sun, the moon, and the stars. But that wasn't until the fourth day. But there was light on the first day. There was light on the first day. You agree with the word of God? 
But it wasn't until the fourth day that he made the sun, the moon, and the stars. And we see these principles you've heard me talk about. We won't take the time this morning. But light is designed by God to be a sign. Is that what the word said? We read it there in verse 14. The lights were meant to be signs for seasons, for days, and for years. This is a principle of the word of God. Light is always used as a sign. Stay with me. So we see this here, and we see this established. We also see this principle established here in these verses that light is intended to rule. Darkness was never made to rule. Even at night, the lesser light was made to rule the night. Isn't that what the Word said? And so the principle of the Word of God that we see established in creation, this spiritual principle is that whether it's day or night, whether it's light or dark, light is always intended to rule by God's design. Now, we know that there's areas where darkness rules, but that's not God's design. That is not God's design. That is the God of this world seeking to impose his will. But light's intended to rule. This is God's design. Fast forward with me, well, sort of, to the book of Exodus. I didn't want you to think, man, he said fast forward and we only went one book. But go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 14. Verse 19, Exodus 14 and verse 19. We could read all these verses. This, of course, is where the children of Israel have now come out of Egypt. They were in Egypt in bondage to the Egyptians. The Passover took place. The death angel passed through. Israel went out. Now they're out in the wilderness. There you go. We just say 14 chapters. They're out in the wilderness And they're camped now right near the Red Sea. Uh, So let's just pick up reading here in verse 19. And the angel of God, which went before the camp, this is leading them. The angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Watch this. It was a cloud. And it was darkness to them. This cloud, this angel of the Lord. Now, we know if we would would have read all these other chapters of Exodus, we know that the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they were led by a pillar of cloud by day, right? And a pillar of fire by night. And so when the cloud moved, they moved. When the pillar of fire moved, they moved. And so this is that, what's being described here in Exodus 14 and 19. This cloud, this angel of the Lord that went before them. They were following this pillar of cloud that went before them. But now they're camped at the Red Sea. They seem to be at a place of impasse after they're wandering in the wilderness. And this cloud that's gone before them, it removes, the Bible says, and it went behind them. And so this cloud, if we didn't read all of these verses we could have and would have if you would have read the first four verse one through 18 you would see that the Egyptians are now breathing down the Israelites neck they have pursued them and they're chasing after them though God has brought them out they're being pursued you ever felt like God brought you out of something but it's still chasing on your heels 
You ever feel like you broke free from some things, but it's still trying to lay hold on your life? This, this, is, this is the pattern of sin. God breaks the bondages of sin, but then sin, once it realizes, hold on, I've lost something that I had in bondage that was serving me, tries to lay hold again to bring us back into bondage. This is what we see. Egypt is always a type and a shadow of sin. And so Egypt is pursuing after. They just realize, hold on, we just lost all of our labor pool. And so they pursue after them. And they're coming, and the Israelite is now afraid. They're afraid, and they're, they're yelling at Moses, why did you bring us out here to die? Weren't there graves back in Egypt? Now we're going to get buried out in this wilderness. Isn't it something how fickle we can be? We rejoice when he brings us out, but then, oh, I can't believe this. Different Bible study for a different time. But this is why you got to go through the water. That's why you got to go through the water. When they went through the Red Sea, Moses said, you'll not see the Egyptians' face anymore. And in the water, the Lord destroyed all of that that had held them in bondage. Somebody tells you baptism doesn't matter. Don't believe them. It matters. There's something that takes place in the waters of baptism that doesn't take place anywhere else. When you go through the water, that which holds you in bondage can be destroyed and not have a bond on you any longer. The only time Israel found themselves in bondage to Egypt is when they made the choice individually to go back. There's power in the blood and the waters of baptism. Amen. I thank God for being buried in the name. Now, so here they are in this cloud is there because they're afraid of the Egyptians and the Egyptians are there. I don't know if they were like a stone's throw away. I don't know if they were three blocks away. But they were close enough that they were afraid. And the concern is all of the army of Egypt is behind them. And if you read those passages of Scripture, it says that Pharaoh took like 600 or 400, I can't remember, choice chariots and all the other chariots. So there's a host coming out after them, and they're afraid. The reason they're afraid is because they've come up on the Red Sea. The Red Sea's in front of them, Egypt's behind them, they don't know what to do. That's where we're at when these verses we just read take place. All right, you got the picture in your mind? The children of God, that which held them in captivity, this pillar of cloud that's been leading them has now removed, and the Red Sea's in front of them, and this pillar of cloud is behind them now. Watch. This pillar of cloud is darkness to the Egyptians. That's who them is in that verse. But it gave light by night to them. That's the Israelites. So that the one, the Egyptians, came not near the other. That's the Israelites all night. Light and darkness. Darkness to the Egyptians, light to the children of God. God divided the darkness and the light. And here he places this pillar of cloud that to one is light and to another is darkness. But what it does, it keeps the people of God from being destroyed by the adversary. You can just hold on to that. Now we'll really fast forward. John chapter 1. I just want us to see a principle in the Word of God today. 
John chapter 1 and verse number 6. It says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of, of who? To bear witness of who? The light. That all men through him might believe. He was not that light. John the Baptist wasn't that light. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. This, of course, is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. He becomes the light that comes in. Make no mistake about it. When Jesus Christ came and robed himself in flesh, his purpose was very singular. It was to divide light from darkness. He came in, the Bible tells us, to destroy the works of Satan. Light came to destroy the works of darkness. This is the purpose for the light coming. Now watch, go to chapter number 8. I know you're bearing with We're going to do more than just read scripture. I know that's enough, but we're, we got to see this. Verse 12. Jesus is speaking here. Then spake Jesus again to them, his disciples, and this is what he says about himself. I am the light of the world. He that follows me, what? He that follows me, Jesus said, shall not walk in darkness, but shall have something. You'll have the light of life. If you follow the light, you have the light of life. This is Jesus talking about himself. Go to chapter 9 and watch verse number 4. Jesus is speaking again. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Verse 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Pay attention there to that verse. It's telling. Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That would leave room for the fact that should he not be in the world yeah because there was a condition on that as long as i'm in the world i'm the light of the world now we live in a day and a time when it would seem that darkness is growing more and more and more wouldn't it Seems like darkness on the left. Dark. Read the news. Listen to the news, right? Hear the news. Jump online, scroll through, and watch the news. You'll get really quickly. It seems like, man, on the left, on the right, to the front, to the back, no matter where I turn. Man, seems like darkness is winning. Seems like darkness is prevailing. It seems like darkness has control. It seems like darkness is stronger. It's, hey, you can't start to believe that lie. But it would seem, why does it seem that way? Because the God of this world walks in darkness. The God of this world is darkness. But we have a sure word from God 
that he divides light from darkness. And there's an admonition given us in Scripture in Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew 6 and 22, Jesus said that the light of the body is the eye. You ever heard that before? The light of the body is the eye. And let's just read that, verse 22 of Matthew 6. He, of course, is speaking there in the Beatitudes, and he makes that statement. The light of the body is the eye. Now, that word eye there is, it's where we get our word optometrist from. And it speaks literally of the eye of the mind. Not just what you see with your natural eye. It speaks literally of the eye of the mind or your faculty, mind and your ability to know. How we know stuff. The eye... The eye of the mind, the way you come to know stuff, determines light in your body or not. The light of the body is the eye. So here's the thing. Why does the adversary, the God of this world, a God of darkness, why does he attack the mind? Because it's darkness seeking to come against the eye. It's darkness seeking to come against the faculty of knowing. It's darkness that seeks to come there. This is why the scripture says that we quoted earlier, the God of this world hath blinded the minds. How has he blinded the minds? The faculty of knowing by planting lies, by deceptive thoughts. And what happens is the faculty of the mind, that's the eye of the body. And so what I take in through my mind, what I continue to receive in through my mind, determines whether I'm walking in darkness or walking in light. What I receive day by day, moment by moment, week by week, on the job, in my home, in relationship with others. I'm receiving something in. I've opened my eye, the faculty of knowing, my way of thinking. Somehow I'm doing something. I'm either entertaining darkness or I'm entertaining light. And I'm opening myself up. Don't think for a moment I can handle a little bit of darkness. The light of the body of the eye. If your eye is single... What does that mean? That means if what I'm allowing to influence my thought, if what I'm allowing to come into my mind, if it's single, if I've shut out any element of darkness, then your whole body shall be what? Full of light. Your whole body shall be full of light. This is a promise. But watch the next verse, verse 23 there. But, but, if your eye is evil, Okay, now what's the eye? The eye is my source of knowing. The eye is the faculty of my mind, the things I entertain in my thoughts, the things I continue to give room to in my life. If your eye is evil, what happens? Your whole body shall be full of darkness. If, now isn't this an interesting statement by Jesus? If therefore the light that is in you be what? Is Jesus confused? What is he talking about? If the light that is in you be darkness, how, how is it possible for light to be darkness? It's a good question. We're going to answer it before we're done. If the light, but this is what you, we have to notice that Jesus said. If the light that is in you be darkness, how great is the darkness. He didn't say how powerful is the light. 
He said, if the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? How does this happen? How is it possible that there can be light in you but darkness? I'll tell you how. There is a principle that we read in Genesis 1, verse 1 through 4, and verses 14 through 19. God divided the light from darkness. He didn't say, hey, we'll blend the light and the darkness and see how they work together. God divided the light from darkness, and he saw that it was what? Well, first he said the light was good, but in verse 14 through 19, when he divided, that's what he saw was good. He saw it is good that there's division between light and darkness. And so this is what Jesus is talking about when he says this. If the light that is in you be darkness, if you don't have division in your life between light and darkness, how great is the darkness? Because what happens is you entertain darkness believing that you got enough light that it's okay to continue to entertain darkness. And how great is that darkness? Because that darkness has you and I, if we give it room, deceived. As though I can have enough light to be able to balance darkness. When the principle of the word of God is there must be a clear division between light and darkness. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians, what communion hath light with darkness? 2 Corinthians 6 and 14. He said, be not unequally yoked together. For what fellowship hath conquered with Belial? Or what communion hath light with darkness? He was addressing something with the church. He said, hey, when you were brought out of darkness into his marvelous light, you were not intended to continue to fellowship the darkness. It's the principle from the beginning. You understand, Genesis is the book of beginnings. It's not just the beginning of natural creation. It's the beginning of scriptural principles. That's why Genesis is so powerful. Principles of the word of God are established there. And the things that God establishes, they are forever. And so this established principle is that light and darkness should always be divided. That's why Egypt couldn't touch Israel. Because God divided the light and the darkness. Light leads. We see this principle. This is why I wanted to read what we did in Exodus. Understand this. When you and I are filled with light, what we give our thoughts to, what we give our energy, effort, and attention to, what we let in our ears and in our eyes, the faculty of our mind, the faculty of knowing, it affects the light in our life. Somebody says, are you against social media? Absolutely not. Are you against YouTube? No. Are you against fill in the blank? No, I'm against darkness. And so if I open the door to things in any of those venues that is darkness, I'm against the darkness. And so I have to let the spirit of God lead me, the light. We read that in Exodus 14, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire that went before them. They were led by light. Remember what Jesus said? If you follow me. Who's he? He's the light. If you follow the light, then your whole body will be full of light. But what happens is we open doors to darkness if we're not careful. We open doors to darkness. Maybe the door to darkness comes through your... I don't know why I almost said MP3. That's like so old. 
I could have said you're Sony Walkman. You guys look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> On your playlist, you can open the door to darkness. And you can say, man, I got this under control. No, no what you're doing, you're opening the door to darkness. And so that fellowship, that's the question Paul's at. What fellowship? You say, are you opposed? To, no, no. It's, it's not about opposing this or that. It's about understanding light and dark are divided. This is God's design. I'm not meant to fellowship darkness. I'm meant to walk in the light. You say, well, but how am I supposed to reach people that are in the darkness? Not by going into the dark. You've heard me use the example before. I'll share it again. If I'm on a perfectly good boat out in the middle of the ocean, I see somebody down in there flailing for their life in the midst of the crazy waves. I'm not going, you know what? I got to just jump in. No, no, no. I'm not jumping off of the boat. I'm going to get that life preserver and I'm going to make my best throw and get it to them and pull them out. No, we're not meant to be like the world to save the world. They're hungry for what he is, what he manifests through you and I. And so light, but watch this. Light not only leads us, God didn't just divide darkness from light, but watch, in mine and your life, this is such a critical principle for you and I to understand and lay hold of. When we draw a firm distinction and we allow the Spirit of God, notice it's got to be what God does. It's not something we can regulate or mandate through rules and lists and do this and don't do that. God forbid, that's where we get in trouble. We need to be led by the light. Led by the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God begin to draw lines in our life for us. Let the Spirit of God begin to divide light and darkness for us. God, how do you feel about this? Well, the Lord says that's darkness to me. Okay, God, I don't want it in my life. Well, how come? No, 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 it's not about a rule. Show me that in the Bible where the Lord... No, no, I want to be led by the light. I want the Spirit of God. I'm not talking about men making up their own things and trying... No, we're not trying to teach for commandments the doctrines of men. That's what they did in the old... In, in the Jesus day. But what we're doing is saying, I'm going to be led by the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God begins to deal with my life in an area, I'm not going to turn a blind eye to it. But I'm going to go, no. I understand by the light that's in me and the light that I'm following that this is darkness to me. And if darkness is there where I have light, if the light that's in me be darkness, how great is that darkness? So what do I do? I allow the Spirit of God to divide in my life. I allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to reach in and divide light from darkness. And so I take the things of my life. You want to talk about consecration unto the Lord, dedication to the Lord, laying your life on the altar before the Lord. You and I begin to do that. We take these things and we lay them before the Lord. And we say, God, I want them examined, not in my thoughts, opinions, and ideas. I want them examined in the light of your word, in the light of your spirit. I want you examining these things so that my steps are ordered in your word. Why? Because the scripture is very clear. The psalmist said it. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. This is the design of God. This is what it is to be spirit led. I'm going, I follow after light. Because I understand this principle of the word of God. If I entertain darkness, I am walking in deception. But watch this. When you and I 
by the Spirit of God, not of our own doing. This is where people fall into traps. Can become legalistic and try to make rules and go, okay, this will work. Well, that only works as long as you follow the rule. But when you follow the relationship because you love him and he loves me. And now what I do, I don't do because I'm trying to follow a rule. I do because I love him. And if I love him, I keep his commandments. Does this make sense? And so now my love motivates me. My love of God motivates me to go, what pleases you? Oh, that doesn't please you? Okay. But you know what happens? Watch. There becomes in your life and mine a dividing of light and darkness. You know why that's so powerful? Because when you allow and I allow our lives to be led by the Spirit of God, and we allow the Spirit of God to divide light and darkness in our life, it puts a hedge between you and the enemy. This is why holiness matters. It, it becomes a barrier to the adversary in your life. Just as sure as light, the cloud was light to Israel, it was darkness to Egypt. I just don't understand why you live your life the way you do. Why would somebody say that? Well, because the light to you is darkness to them. They can't understand. You understand, this isn't about, well, we're better than. No, God forbid. But for the blood of Jesus, such were every one of us. There is no better than or a leader or no God. There is redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But we understand, I separate myself unto the Lord and what happens, I'm now living my life walking in the light. And the light becomes protection to my life. And when the adversary would try to come and attack, it becomes darkness to the adversary. So the adversary thought he had me. But he couldn't find me because I'm walking in the light. It becomes a divide. This is what it was in the wilderness. It was the cloud that was light to Israel but darkness to Egypt. Egypt could not get to them because they were blinded. This is a principle of the word of God. And so when you and I choose in our daily, why do you think the adversary wants you? Why do you think he appeals to you, young lady? So let me entertain you a little bit. Come on. You know, it's just a little bit of darkness. Is it? You, can, you can manage this. He's, he's trying to tear down the barrier that keeps him from getting to you. He's trying to tear down the barrier that keeps the adversary from getting to you. Don't you think the Egyptians would have destroyed Israel if they could have that day? But they couldn't. Why? Because God divided darkness and light. Now watch. We got to hurry. So it's a principle. Separation between darkness and light. I believe with all of my heart. It is an impenetrable barrier between the God of this world and the people of God. Because the God of the, this world knows he cannot penetrate that barrier of a separated people that have drawn the line, allowed God to divide darkness and light. 
the adversary appeals to us through the eye, the faculty of the mind, the faculty of knowing, right? What we read in Matthew 6, if thine eye be single. So the adversary says, if I can find a way to plant thought that will get them to entertain darkness, I can't penetrate that barrier of separation that God has brought because of their consecration. But maybe I can get them to let the barrier down. And so he'll plant a thought and see if he can get past the singleness of your eye. We should love the light. We should love the light. We should hate the darkness. Not people. Not people. The Bible says of Job, the Lord Jesus, or the the Lord God said of Job in the first chapter when the adversary came, The adversary said, well, you got a hedge around him. That's why he worships you. That's why he lives for you. That's why he loves you. And the Lord said to Satan, I'll remove the hedge. He didn't deny that he had a hedge about him, but he said, I'll remove it. But then Job still served God. How's this possible? I'll tell you how it's possible. Job had a hedge of his own. The Lord gave the adversary the answer. He should have known he couldn't win. This is what the Lord said about Job. He's a perfect and upright man. He loves God, or he fears God, and he escheweth evil. If you'll allow me to paraphrase, he loves God, he hates evil. He's got his own barrier that he built. It's a love for light and a hatred for darkness. And so even if I remove my barrier because he has developed a love for God and a hatred of sin, you still can't destroy him. This is the power of allowing the Spirit of God to lead you and I and to divide darkness and light in our lives. And so we examine our lives in the fear of God. We pray, I pray, shine the light of your word on my heart. Shine the light of your word on my thoughts. Shine the light of your word into every element of my being. Shine the light of your word in my home. Shine the light of your word in my marriage. Shine the light of your word in my workplace. Shine it in every area of my life so that I walk in the light. First John 1. I'll hurry up and finish. What was Jesus preaching? Well, let's see what John said. First John 1, verse number 5. John said, this then is the message which we have heard of him. Who's him? Jesus. That's who John's talking about. John said, this is the message that we've heard of him. And we declare it to you. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That was the message of Christ. Now watch verse number 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not the truth. Next verse. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ's Son cleanseth us from all sin. This is the power of walking in the light. You want to walk in condemnation? Condemnation is almost always an indicator I've let darkness in. Because when I'm walking in the light, condemnation doesn't get room. 
Condemnation can't have room. Because when I'm walking in the light, I have the confidence. I'm cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Condemnation has no power over me. I've been washed. But when I get darkness in, condemnation finds room and voice and begins to bombard me. And so I got to go, no, no, hold on a minute. I'm closing the door to every area of darkness. I know when I walk in the light as he's in the light, I have fellowship one another and I have a confidence in the blood. This is why Paul could say in Romans chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. When I'm led by the spirit of God, the light is now leading me same way light led the Israelites in the wilderness. I don't walk in condemnation. I walk in victory and confidence in him. In him. Stand with me, please. I want to hurriedly jump back to a verse we read and then jump forward to one other verse. John chapter 9, verse 5. We paused. It's where Jesus said, as long as I am in the world. Remember that? I am the light of the world. So why does light matter so much to the Lord? Because you're not just meant to walk in the light. So based on this verse here, what happens when he is not in the world? Well, let's go to Matthew chapter number 5 and verse 14. You. Who's talking here? Jesus is talking here. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Hold on. He said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. But if you were paying attention, he said that in Matthew 6. This is all part of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. They knew he'd already said this. He had already told them, you're the light of the world. But then he told them a little bit later in his message, as long as I'm here, I'm the light of the world. But they were already holding on to the responsibility he had begun to share with them. You're the light of the world. You're a city that's set on a hill that cannot be hid. Next verse. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. You know, you know my, my power flashed this morning. I thought this is not good. It was about 4.32 a.m. And the light flashed. I'm like, oh, and I heard a pow. And I thought, oh, but it came right back on. Thank you. So my wife's over there going, I didn't know that. So she was in darkness. Her eyes were closed, sleeping. Not. And so that, that light, you know what? When, when your power goes out, nobody goes and says, where's the candle? Where's the candle? And then light the candle and go, put it over there in a corner and put it underneath something. No, what do you do? You get the candle and you try to put it in the space that gives it the most light, that you get the most from that light that you can possibly get, right? 
Matter of fact, you might even just take that candle and walk around with it if you're going somewhere because you want the light with you so you can see where you're going. You're not like, oh, no, 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 the candle's in the other room. That's all. That's good. I got light back there. That would be foolish, wouldn't it? This is what Jesus is sort of saying. You don't light a candle and then stick it over in a corner. When you light a candle, you put it on a candlestick because you want it to give light. And you get it on the candlestick, and what does it do? It gives light not just to you. It gives light to everybody that's in the house. All of a sudden, the people you're in company with, when you are the light, remember what he said in the verse before this, you are the light of the world. And the light that you are is meant to give light to everybody in the house. You and I should walk in a room, and when we walk, this is not arrogance. This is knowing who we are in him. I walk into a room, and I believe, you know what? I'm not walking in here by myself. I'm walking in as a child of God filled with the spirit of the living God. I am a light in the world, and when I come in, it changes the atmosphere of the room because where light is, God always divides light and darkness, and so you and I step into a room. Why do people feel uncomfortable sometimes? I'm not trying. I'm doing everything I can to try to make people feel comfortable. What's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. Light. You're my example. I'm not picking on you. Light opposes darkness. Light opposes darkness. And darkness doesn't understand it. That's what Jesus said in John 1. Or what John wrote, right? The light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Darkness doesn't understand. What am I dealing with? What's going on in your life? I can't. Tell me what happened to you. Well, I came in contact with the light. You are the light of the world. Next verse, 16. So what are you supposed to do if you're the light? Let your light so shine before men. Why? So that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. Why do you think the adversary wants you to entertain darkness? Because it keeps your father from being glorified. Oh, you thought it was all about you. No, it's all about him. And so the adversary says, if I can get them to let darkness have room, I can keep the father from being glorified. But when you allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to work in my life and yours and bring division, that's a good thing, between darkness and light, all of a sudden the light shines in your life. And it doesn't just light your world. It lights all those you come in contact with. And you're meant to be the light of the world. Jesus said, as long as I'm here, I'm the light. But here's the thing. He ascended, did he not? He ascended. But you and I, when we were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, when the Spirit of God came and dwelt in you, there's a reason he baptizes with the Holy Ghost and with light. He filled you to be a light to the world. And so when he filled us, we became, I know you know this, we became the body of Christ. You are the light of the world.
Would you talk to the Lord where you are right now? I know this is a simple principle. I know this is a simple truth. But we need to lay hold on who we are. And we need to lay hold on the power of the principle of what it means to our life when we allow the Spirit of God to divide light from darkness. I hear the Apostle Paul crying out to the church. He was not writing to the world. He was writing to the church. He said, what communion do you have? What do you have in common with darkness? Why would you fellowship darkness? You're meant to be the light. Come on, the world needs you. The world needs me. They need light. They need the light of the glorious gospel. How are we going to push back the darkness? I'll tell you how. By being the light. Light is always designed to rule over the darkness. If you want victory in this world, we should be the light that we're called to be the light of the world. Jesus, I pray by your spirit and by your word. Let the conviction and the clarity of the word grip my heart, my mind, my soul, and my spirit. That I lay hold of the revelatory truth that you are the light that lighteth every man that enters into the world. That the light that you put in us is meant to make us a light to this world. In the name of Jesus, that we have authority and victory over darkness by the power of your spirit operating in us. In the name of Jesus, 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 stop believing the lies of the adversary. I don't care how dark it can be around you. I don't care how dark it can be in a workplace. It does not matter how dark the moment light enters in, darkness dispels. In the name of Jesus, 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 I have this thing I do sometimes because I get up early in the morning most of the time and it's usually dark. I don't want to wake my wife up by turning on the light. And so I'll reach over and I'll, I'll find my phone there. And I'll, I won't even use the flashlight on the phone because that seems awful bright. I'll just tap the screen to give it a light and open the little door to the armoire so I can look in there. I'm like, I need a shirt. You know, I've got to find a shirt in there. And so I'll open the, the door and I've I got my phone and my phone will go off. And I'll tap it again. So I'm trying to find a shirt to... What's the point? See, the adversary, the God of this world, the God of darkness, would have us to believe that he's more powerful than he is. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not telling you he doesn't have power. He clearly has power. But he's not more powerful than light. Somebody's got to lay hold on that. He is not more powerful than light. If you are in a pitch black room, how much light does it take for there not to be darkness?
Light a match. There's light. It dispels darkness. It's just what light does. Light dispels darkness. By its design. Oh, who designed it? And he said, let there be light. Light by its very design dispels darkness. Darkness cannot quench light. Did you know that? Anybody got some darkness in a cup you want to just unleash and get rid of all the light? Darkness, you know what darkness, all darkness is, is by definition, darkness is nothing more than the absence of light. You getting this? It's just the absence of light. The adversary wants you to think the darkness is more than that. You just got to get on fire. You're the light of the world. You're the light of the world. You are the light. That's not my words. That's the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the light of the world. Stop walking into the workplace intimidated. You're the light of the world. Stop walking into the business office intimidated. You're the light of the world. Don't walk into a con- You are the light of the world. Darkness dispels. You're the light. We need the valleys to be filled with light. We need the valleys to be filled with light. It starts by you and I purposing to remove any element of darkness, allowing the Spirit of God in our life to divide out the light from the darkness. Before we go today, one more time, would you please talk with him? Right there where you are, would you talk with him and give him permission Because he'll not go where you do not give him permission. Would you give him permission to begin where needful? And it's needful if there's any darkness. God, I give you permission. I ask you, Lord, reach into every area of my life. Reach into my thought life. Reach into my business life. Reach into my relationships. Reach into my home. Reach into my marriage. Reach into every element of my life. And I pray where there's any element of darkness, bring your love that divides light from darkness. Bring your word that divides light from darkness. Show me, God, and by your grace, I'll break off every element that entertains darkness because I want to be full of light. I want my body to be full of light. I want an eye that's single in this hour because the world is filled with darkness. But you are greater. You are greater. Your church is greater. You have filled us with light in order to overcome the God of this world. I pray let us know who we are and walk in the power of it. Let us know who we are and walk in the power of your spirit. Let us cut off the works of darkness and walk in the power of your light in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.